We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com live postgame show slash podcast. The Lakers get the win over the Orlando Magic. Feels good to say the Lakers finally getting a W, snapping the losing streak, getting the job done in Orlando. Feels good to be back in my normal studio as well. Was traveling for Christmas time. Back in studio today. Lakers win 129 to 110. Man, LeBron James, 28 points, seven boards, five assists, one steal, one block, no threes, 0 for 7 from deep. Otherwise, great performance from LeBron, 12 for 24 shooting overall. Uh, gets the job done there. Thomas Bryant, what a game for him, 20 against a big Magic team. I mean, you look at the, the starting lineups, the difference in size is noticeable, but Thomas Bryant came through 21 points, 10 boards, 8 of 10 shooting, and knocked in a 3. Patrick Beverly, suddenly he's Pat Bever 3. He was four for 10 from deep. Yeah, that, that's 40% from three for Patrick Beverly on 10 attempts, five of 11 shooting overall. Again, 14 points, two assists, two boards, 30 minutes played for Pat. Dennis Schroeder, seven points and two assists in 28 minutes. Lonnie Walker, 10 points. Kind of a quiet performance out of Lonnie Walker. Again, still waiting to see that big blow performance that we, that we saw from Lonnie earlier on in the season. Haven't seen one of those in a bit. Wayne Gabriel played 15 minutes off the bench, 5.6 boards, 15 points. This is big. For Troy Brown Jr., 17 minutes earned him the right to close out the game for Darvin Ham. Three of four from three, six of seven shooting overall. Nice game from Troy Brown. Hopefully this gets him going and gets him out of that funk that he's been in. Russell Westbrook, triple-double, 15, 13, and 13 for Russ. Solid performance out of him. Some questionable shots uh, taken, but I can't complain too much. When he puts up a triple-double, the Lakers win, and I thought the Russ is passing overall. Despite a couple of passes that went into the first row, Overall, Russ's passing was excellent, much needed, and he did a great job finding Lakers in positions to score in this one. Austin Reeves, 8.5 assists, just efficient play as always, 2 of 6 from 3 for Austin Reeves. Then Kendrick Nunn came in for garbage time, played 2 minutes, and was 2 of 2 from deep for 6 points for Kendrick Nunn. All right, so Lakers get the win that they need. Uh, hopefully this is a sign of things to come. 14, of, 14 and 20 on the season. Still a long way to go to get back to 500, but this is the first game of a back-to-back. -back. We'll find out whether or not LeBron is going to play tomorrow in Miami. I wonder if he's going to let us in on that uh, after the game tonight, but let's see what people have to say 
in our chat. Peanut Butter Batter says, good win. However, what would you personally do to fix the Lakers? So I talked about this in a video a little bit earlier today. I talked about how the comment came out from Jovan Buha that the Lakers are, are concerned about compounding their problems uh, by making another win-now trade. And I said that's actually, like as much as fans were upset to hear that and took that as a sign that they're not going to do anything, I actually take that as a positive. They should be concerned about that. If I'm the Lakers, I'm very concerned because you know what? There's blood in the water right now in the rest of the league. They're sharks. They're going to do everything they can to try to fleece the Lakers in a trade and try to get the Lakers to do something stupid out of desperation. If you're the Lakers, you've got to be very careful. Whatever this next move is that you make, especially if it requires both those picks to be in it, it's got to be the move. It's got to be perfect. It has to be a home run move. And so you have to be certain with whatever you do next if you're the Lakers. So I understand why you want to put out there right now that, you know what, we really can't get fleeced in a trade. And you know what, we're not even totally sure if we need to do a move right now or if that's even going to make a big difference. That's what I'm putting out. I'm not saying that's what they should really do, but that's what they should be putting out there. I'm not saying don't make a move, but you need to be putting out there if you're the Lakers that, you know what, with AD being hurt, that cap space next summer, that's looking pretty good. Cap space, and we'll have three first-round picks to play with next summer on the trade market. That sounds pretty good to us. So if you want to try to convince us to do something right now, you really want these picks, well, give us something worthwhile. I'm not saying that's going to work. I'm not saying you're suddenly going to get teams just throwing offers at you, but I think that needs to be what you're kind of putting out there. So the teams know that they're not going to come in and offer you a couple of rotation guys who aren't starters and say, that'll be both picks unprotected because you're desperate. You have to push back against that. And that might not get teams to budge, but you got to try. You got to try. And now is the time to do it. It's end of December right now. Prices are still sky high on the trade market. They will come down a bit as we get into January. They'll drop further when we get into the deal zone in February. But for the Lakers, you got to get something done sooner rather than later. Teams know that. They're going to try to prey upon the Lakers. So if I'm Rob Palenka, if I'm the Lakers, I'm putting out there that the summer is looking more attractive. I'm seeing if I can maybe even get LeBron to say something that he's on board, if that's what it takes, with not doing anything this season. And then you try to win back as much leverage as you can, and you try to make the best deal possible that you can find out there to add the pieces that this team needs. And we've been talking about it for so long. They need wings, and they could probably use another big. You even saw it tonight. Thomas Bryant, a great night. Take nothing away from him, but he's not a tremendous rim protector. And really, you know, the more we look at this, the more we say, man, the Lakers' defense falls apart without Anthony Davis. Some of this blame has to fall on Damian Jones, and it pains me because he's my guy, right? But some of the blame has to fall on Damian Jones because that he was supposed to be, of the two bigs the Lakers signed, the rim protector, the guy that could come in and block shots when Anthony Davis goes out. That's not the skill set that you signed Thomas Bryant for. You signed Thomas Bryant to give you the offensive production, to occasionally hit some threes, to, to battle on the boards and do those sorts of things. Damian Jones was the rim protector, the role man, the lob finisher, that archetype. JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, that type of player. That's what you're looking for out of Damian Jones. And so his inability to play, he couldn't even get in garbage time in this game. Um, that has really set the Lakers back to the point where they may need to find another big out there on the market. So again, I'm looking for those two things, wings and bigs, particularly bigs that can protect the rim for you. And then going from there on the market while doing everything I can to try to get back some trade leverage. That's what I'm doing right now. If I'm the Lakers, LeBron has been too good. And of course, 
AD, when he's been healthy, has been too good to just say, oh, this team just doesn't have it. Let's move on. Now, depending on how the record goes here and depending on what the trade offers look like, you might be forced into a situation where you don't do anything at the trade deadline, and that might be a sticky situation to be in with LeBron and AD. But nonetheless, right now, I'm doing everything I can to reclaim leverage and hopefully find a workable deal that can give you a real shot at getting into the playoff mix and then saying, LeBron, AD, here you are. Let's go. And ideally on the trade front, I'm looking for guys. If I'm going to give up those future picks, I want guys that aren't going to be Lakers for just a season. I want guys that can be Lakers for three, four seasons down the road. That's what I'm ideally looking for. Not saying it's going to be easy to find them, but that's what I'm doing. All right. Let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Mario says, much needed win. Russ and Thomas Bryant were amazing. Yeah, agreed. Again, I love Russ's passing. He passed a lot of players open in this one. He's got the mind meld with winning Gabriel. We saw a lot, a lot of nice passes there. Some nice drop-off passes to Thomas Bryant. He did a great job. Also, did you guys notice Austin Reeves? He got out on the break a couple times. He made sure that ball went to LeBron, unlike the other night against the Hornets. Austin Reeves said, this time I'm not messing around. LeBron, here you go. I'm giving the ball to you. I'm not going to try and do anything else. Uh, Kyle Hampton said, whew, finally. Now again, yeah, that's right. Now you got to start racking up the wins. You've got to claw your way back to 500. There's six games below 500 right now. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a while to do it. And unfortunately, with every game that passes, time runs out that much more left in the season. I mean, we're getting pretty close to the halfway point in the season now you've got to make a real run soon. And again, that's part of why the Lakers have got to feel that urgency on the trade market. It's also why other teams are going to try to get them to make a mistake and overpay. Bruce Chang, so much needed win for the Lakers. Uh, Russ, Thomas Bryant played great. LeBron doing his thing. Please get this man some help. A wing and a shooter would be nice. Sure would. Sure would be nice to get a wing who can shoot. That would be ideal. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to watch these games. Tonight, obviously, not necessarily the case because I thought the Lakers played well. They won wire to wire. You can't complain too much. But in general, especially the last few games that we watched where they've been losing, you can't help but feel terrible for, for LeBron, right? I mean, he's out there dropping 38 points, but you're losing the third quarter by 30. You can't win games that way. And so LeBron is an all-time great, still producing, and the team around him just isn't quite good enough. There's just not enough talent. The roster imbalance is a real thing and you got to feel for him. And people will say, well, but LeBron had a hand in getting Russ. Yeah, he did, right? He had to have. LeBron has plenty of say in, in what goes on. His voice certainly matters. And maybe he did want Russ on the team. And some people will use that as the reasoning of, well, no, you shouldn't feel sympathetic for LeBron because, you know, he pushed for Russ and, and all of that. Okay. But who calls the league office to actually execute the trade? It's the Lakers front office. And the Lakers have said no to LeBron before. He made it very clear he wanted Jared Dudley back. They didn't do that. I mean, the decision-making ultimately falls on the front office. So when I see LeBron out there struggling, even if he said, well, yeah, I think I could play with Russ. Yeah, you would expect, you would expect a guy like LeBron to feel like he could make any situation work because typically he does and he can. So... I don't even fault LeBron too much for the Russell Westbrook situation or look at it and say, oh, you shouldn't feel sympathetic for the spot he's in right now. No, I feel sympathetic for him. I hope that his career doesn't end this way. But from the Lakers side, you got to make sure you make a smart move. Otherwise, you could do damage to the fran franchise long past LeBron's tenure here. 
Uh, Parth, first in a while that I felt like they had control of the game throughout. Even when Orlando went on many runs, they answered. Also, none shoots 70% in garbage time. He may very well. He may very well shoot 70% in, in garbage time. But, um, yeah, look, the Lakers, it did feel like they were in control. I still was nervous through a few parts just because we've seen this team collapse in just about every way possible in spectacular fashion. And so you never can feel great till we got down to about like two minutes to play and they were up whatever it was, like 18 or something. And I was like, okay, we can we can relax now. But that's just because that's how this season has gone. They've found ways to lose games um, that have been close. So uh, in general, though, yeah, it did feel like the Lakers. It felt like the Lakers were just the better team. This is a young Orlando team. They do have some impressive wins on the season. But nonetheless, um, it, it did feel like the Lakers were just the better team tonight than, than Orlando was, despite the size discrepancy. Orlando had a lot of size on the Lakers. Rocky, Trevor, you have to do the big game clap. Oh, that's James Worthy's thing. That's that's copyright infringement on James Worthy. I'm not going to try and steal his bit. That's James Worthy's thing. I'm going to I'm gonna leave that to him. Mamba mentality. I like Thomas Bryant in the starting lineup. I think we can keep him and move AD to the four when he gets back, potentially. Wenyon at the center off the bench. Drop Jones. Well, if you drop Jones, that means his contract's on the books for next year, too. Remember, he's got a player option on that deal. So not saying you don't do it, just something to keep in mind if you were to just cut the guy. Uh, even if he picks up that option, it's a pretty movable contract on a minimum if you need to clear space or something like that. But once you waive him, that money's just sitting on your books. So just something to consider. Uh, get Dwight Howard or Whiteside. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. You don't even need to drop Jones to do that. You've got an open roster spot. Remember, they waived Matt Ryan. They only have 14 players on the roster right now. They have an open roster spot. So if they decide, you know what, Damian Jones isn't cutting it, but because he's got that second-year player option, we don't want to just waive him. Well, you can add a guy right now. You can call up Dwight, get him back from Taiwan. No problem. Boogie, come on down. Whiteside, whatever, whoever it is that you want. Jay Huff, let's go. Give me a shot. They can do that right now, this second. Nothing stopping them. But so far, they haven't been wanting to do that. I think they've been waiting for more certainty from Anthony Davis. And uh, he should get reevaluated sometime these next few days here. And then hopefully we get some good news on, uh, on him. Music, none for Chetty Osman. Uh, sure, if the Cavs would do that. I don't know that they would, but if they would. Uh, what's up with Tristan Thompson? I don't know. We haven't really heard anything from, from Tristan Thompson this season. I can't say he's really what the Lakers need. He's not the rim protector they need. Uh, Nick said, great game. Wish... Every average game looked like this. Attack the paint like hell. Master lock LeBron's threes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, kind of hard to master lock that. Like, he was 0 for 7 from 3, but he shot, shot 12 of 24 overall. That baseline fade that he hit, oh my good. I mean, the degree of difficulty to hit that shot, absolutely incredible. He's He is absolutely phenomenal, and I, I can't complain too much. I mean, 0 of 7 from 3, I guess that's that's a bummer, but... 12 to 20. It's hard to complain about that, right? Uh, Jason said, great win. Don't want to sound negative, but I hope this doesn't deter the Lakers from getting uh, rid. The Magic are like us, except they have too many big men, which would make them the perfect trade partners. Yeah, and you know what? The Lakers have a history of trading with the Orlando Magic as well. They've made a number of trades with them. So maybe there's something there, but who do you want from the Magic? Do you want Mo Bamba? I don't think you're getting Bull Bull. Maybe you could do something for Mo Bamba, but he's a guy coming off the bench for the Orlando Magic right now. Are we certain that he's what you need? I mean, he fits on paper, but I'm just curious. 
the Magic do have a number of bigs. Do you, do you go get our old friend Mo Wagner? Do you want to bring him back? Again, not the best rim protector out there. I really think you need a rim protector if you go get a big. But but nonetheless, you're, you're not wrong. The Magic do have plenty of size. So maybe there's something there that you can find if you're interested in doing a deal for, for Mo Bamba. Casual said, hey, Trevor, can we master lock LBJ for deleting his I won't miss the playoffs again tweet? I know it's social media, but I find this concerning. So here's the thing, though, with with guys like that, a lot of times it's not just them on their social media accounts. It's, you know, they've got managers and stuff who handle their their accounts. Um, so I don't we can't even say for sure. Did LeBron go back and did he delete that or was it somebody running his account? We don't know um, exactly what happened there, or what the story is. Maybe he'll get asked about it in the, the post game tonight. We'll find out. But as of right now, until we know for sure what happened there, I don't want to rush to rush to judgment. I mean, sure, maybe it looks kind of bad or looks petty or whatever, but like, do we even know exactly when he deleted it? Like sometimes that's a thing too, where, I mean, if he deleted it a week ago, would anybody have noticed a week ago that it was gone? I don't know. I don't know. Just, just food for thought. So before we get all up in arms about LeBron, was it really him that did it? Was there a reason behind it? What's is there any? And then when did he delete? If he deleted it three weeks ago and just nobody noticed, does it still have the same impact? I don't know. Just stuff to consider. Sometimes we see, you know, oh, somebody deleted, somebody changed this in their account or whatever, and we rush to judgment when it may be something or nothing. I mean, look, Russell Westbrook deleted all the pictures on his Instagram, and everybody went, oh, this means he's being traded or something's happened, and it ended up meaning anything. Dante, so truth be told, Pat, Bev, and Westbrook's ability to guard much taller players is a luxury to the Lakers' defense. I mean, I don't know if, I, if luxury is the word I would use. I would say necessity. Because their team is so undersized, you have to have some guards who are going to play up. And if you're going to ask anybody to do that out of the Lakers' guards, you're not going to ask Kendrick Nunn to do that. You'll ask Russell Westbrook. You'll ask Patrick Beverly. Pat at least has a history of doing it, and Russ is physically just strong enough to do it. So those are two guys you, you need to request. But again, the Lakers are starting two guys in their backcourt who are six foot, six one, and Lonnie Walker is six four. That's your starting lineup. That's pretty undersized. No matter what, you're going to have guys having to defend up um, and be undersized. That's just just the way it's going to go. Just time said, "Hey Trevor, why can't we fill that open spot? We need the help. And why the office won't make a small move like New York move with Cam and Fournier? What what are you willing to give up to get?" Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier. And are you willing to take on Evan Fournier for next year and sacrifice some of your cap space? Um, what if New York says, we'll give you Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier and you give us Patrick Beverly and, and Kendrick Nunn. And I think they might even have to throw in a contract just off the top of my head. What if that's the deal? You're getting those two pieces. Some people might say yes, but remember, you're also sacrificing about $18 million in cap space next season, plus whatever you have to pay Cam Reddish. So if that's the case, you're getting Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier, but your flexibility for the summer is greatly diminished once you pay those two guys. So if those two guys aren't the guys that are going to put you over the top, your ability to go find players that will put you over the top is now compromised. Uh, because you don't have that extra cap room available to just not necessarily to sign a player in free agency, but even just flexibility in trade situations to be able to absorb extra salary. Now, if you think, well, we can flip Evan Fournier as an $18 million expiring and we can attach picks to him and, and off we go. Okay, sure. Maybe you, know, maybe you can do that. I don't know. 
But do Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier get you into the playoffs this year? Do they help you moving forward? I, I think you can argue both sides, but I'm going to lean towards no on the first question and probably no on the second question compared to what the opportunity cost is. I like Cam Reddish. If you can get him for cheap as a flyer, sure. But I don't think I want to take back Evan Fournier's salary without believing that he's the guy that you need on the wing for the Lakers. Now, as far as why haven't they made a small move, most likely because the moves that are out there are moves that would fleece them. That's that's probably what's available right now is, hey, we'll give you a couple rotation players. We need both your picks unprotected. That's probably what's out there for, for the Lakers right now. Teams seeing a desperate Lakers in a situation where they have to do something in order to help LeBron win right now, they're going to try to take advantage of that. So I'd imagine that's probably the situation they're in. Senpai NFT, Pat Bev is no longer filler. He's positive value. We're just seeing the regression, right? Did, should we have believed that he's a 20% three-point shooter? Probably not. Based on his career, we assumed that the percentages would come up at some point, And now we're finally seeing that happen. The percentages are coming up. It took a long time, but they're coming up. Now, if you believe that what we're seeing out of Patrick Beverly now is some simply what he is, so Patrick Beverly now, again, shot 40% from three tonight for the month of December, is shooting 39% from three after shooting 27% in November and 19% in October. If we believe, and I don't, by the way, I don't buy this, that he's a 40% three-point shooter. I think that number comes down a little bit in terms of his overall average. But if you believe that he is a positive behind the arc for you and he can give you the defense that he's been giving you, then yeah, you probably don't feel quite as um, urgent to, to deal him, quite that sense of urgency to trade him if you think you're going to get a positive number from behind the three-point line, if he's going to help you from there. That's all you need, right? He's good enough defensively to where he makes a difference there. The advanced metrics all show it. All you need on the offensive end is just knock down a couple of threes each night, right? Be a threat from behind the arc. And so if you believe that what we're seeing out of Patrick Beverly right now is sustainable, and I would say it's not far off, he's maybe shooting a little bit above his head, but not that far off, then yeah, you don't feel like you have to. Now that said, you still probably need to use his contract in a trade unless you find something for us. You still probably need to use that contract if you're going to do anything significant. Nobody else makes enough. Patrick Beverly's at 13 million. Lonnie's at six. Kendrick Dunn's at five and change. Russ is at 47. That's what you're working with. That's what you've got to work with on the trade market. Patrick Beverly's contract is going to be necessary. You like, you want to go get Miles Turner? Patrick Beverly has to do, be in the deal if Russell Westbrook is not. There's just, there's no getting around. Okay, I guess technically you could stack up Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn, and add a veteran minimum and, and off you go. Something like that, like Damian Jones or whatever. I get it. But without having to go crazy, stacking up a bunch of salaries, Patrick Beverly pretty much has to be in the deal. So what do you do if you're the Lakers? It's what Rob Polink in the front office got to figure out. Going to be really sad if Troy Wenyon, Thomas Bryant all don't get minutes when AD comes back. Cut five to eight minutes from all the guards or 10 to 15 from a couple. Hey, I, I'm in total agreement with you on that. When If AD comes back, you still want to keep these bigs in the rotation. And for no other reason than just to provide a little bit of balance from your roster. And yes, please remove some minutes from some guards. Give them to the bigs. Allow yourself to have more of a normal lineup where you don't. I think we saw one lineup today that was... Thomas Bryant at center, uh, surrounded by four guards, and one of the guards was Lonnie Walker. 
So he's at least 6'4". I mean, we'd seen lineups where it was like Austin, last game, we saw Austin Reeves at 6'5 as the team's center. We've seen lineups where it's Kendrick Nunn, Russ, Patrick Beverly, right? Like the four, and Schroeder. So like your four guards are all the six foot guys. Lonnie Walker is, I guess, at least 6'4 and, and uber athletic. So that helps. But yeah, I think you can avoid, I think you can avoid the um, multi-guards on the floor situation much easier when AD is back. And it means giving those minutes to Wayne and it means giving those minutes to Thomas Bryant and allowing yourself to play bigger. I think that's important. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement with that. I would love to see that happen. James Bell, can the Lakers get a big on a 10-day contract to help out with protecting the paint so AD doesn't have to rush back? 10-day contracts aren't uh, available just yet. Those are going to be coming up in January. So, But you could sign someone to a non-guaranteed deal if you want. Sure, you could definitely do that. Uh, again, Jay Huff, not, not a bad option to turn to. Uh, again, could be Boogie, could be... And, and those non-guaranteed deals, you could waive that at any time and and you're good. Uh, they, you put a guaranteed date in the contract, but that's what you'd be looking to do right now. Is just do a non-guaranteed deal and sign somebody and there you go. And uh, it's not a bad idea either. Bring somebody in, bring in a big, uh, just to have another body in there. If, you're, if, Damian, if you just decided, look, Damian Jones, until he shows us a lot, we're not even putting him on the floor you need another big body. Like Wenyon's been just fine. Don't don't take anything away from him. I think he's been better than we expected this season. Give him credit. But I think you do need just another big body to turn to when AD is out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, the trip. I love seeing LeBron play off ball. His aggressive cuts helped the offense a lot. Reminds me of his heat days. Wish Ham used him in that role more. Yeah, there were some moments there where, in fact, one of the plays that I even mentioned on our live stream of the game was LeBron acting as the screener in an Austin Reeves LeBron pick and roll. And it wound up with LeBron getting a matchup. I want to say it was with Markel Fultz on the wing and he took advantage, got right to the rim and uh, and scored. That's That's not a bad thing to do. Especially because LeBron, look, we know LeBron doesn't want to have the burden of running the offense every single time. Well, make him a screener. Make him the off-ball player. Let him cut. Teams are still going to pay a ton of attention to him, so you can still get the effect of the gravity that LeBron brings, even without the ball in his hands. Now, more often than not, yeah, your best bet is to have the ball in LeBron's hands, but you've got some other playmakers. You've got Russ. You've got Austin Reeves. You've got some guys who can do some things and can find LeBron as a cutter, and he's going to cut at the right times. 
thought we saw Russ make some really great entry passes to LeBron when he was able to get position in the paint because he had a, a small on him from Orlando. So that was great to see. You know, it, it's not bad to diversify your offense a little bit. I know the the knee-jerk reaction is LeBron's really good. Give him the ball. But sometimes you can rely on some of your other players to be the playmakers and let LeBron be the finisher. All right, guys, let's let's get into this. Now, we're going to do, we are because the Lakers won, we're going to do some awards. So let's start with this one. Superstar of the night. Okay, so this one, the superstar of the night is actually, I mean, I guess could really be debated here. Russell Westbrook with a triple-double, 15, 13, and 13. Four turnovers. He was plus 18 on the night, though. Pretty solid performance out of Russ. Again, knocked down some of the jumpers that we typically don't like to see him taking, but to his credit, he hit him in this one. Uh, LeBron, meanwhile, 28 points, seven boards, five assists in 31 minutes. He was plus eight on the night. Four turnovers for each player. One steal, one block for LeBron. No steals, no blocks for Russell Westbrook. LeBron, four or five in the free throw line. Russell Westbrook, two of two. One for three, shooting from three. No threes for LeBron James. So this is one of those nights where if you wanted to tell me that it's LeBron, I would buy it. If you wanted to tell me that it's Russ, I would buy it. I think it would make sense. You can make an argument to give it to either one of those players. And I'm seeing in the chat, people are saying, Give it to LeBron or give it to like a lot of people are just arguing back and forth. And I think that like when it's clear, we just everybody would say LeBron, everybody would say Russ or AD or, or whoever. I think I'm going to take the opportunity to give it to Russ this time because more often than not, we default to LeBron. And so maybe this is voter fatigue here, but I'm going to go Russ. I thought his passing was great with the exception of a couple of passes. I thought in general, his passing really helped the Lakers carve up the interior of the Magic defense. And that was one of the things we were concerned about. Even to start the game, you saw the Lakers settling for a lot of threes, not getting the ball into the paint, which is not a good thing for this LA team. Um, the Magic had a big size advantage, and you could see the Lakers felt that in the early going. And Russ helped mitigate that problem with his interior passing, getting into the paint, dropping off to Thomas Bryant, winning Gabriel LeBron in positions where they could do something with the ball. So I thought he was really good uh, in that way tonight. I'll go with Russ. I'll go with Russ. Even if I would say, really, it's probably a tie here in this one, in my mind. But tie is going to go to the guy who doesn't get it quite so often in this case. So I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook as superstar of the night for this game. But once again, you want to tell me it's LeBron? I wouldn't argue with you. I think both guys were excellent in this game. Uh, let's see. SR37, if Thomas Bryant plays more at center, Braun and AD can play at the wings. Hard to get a deal for wings without overpaying, so put your stars out there, even part-time. Yeah, this is something also that I talked about during the live stream. People talked about, well, how do you get wings? If you do the Pacers deal, if you did that, I don't think that's still on the table, but if you did that deal, if you got Miles Turner, doesn't that like not really help your wing problem? Well, it does and it doesn't because... Yeah, you're not getting a wing. You're not getting the wing you need. But what you're doing is you're pushing AD to power forward more, which is essentially a wing position. You're playing AD more at the wing, which then would slide LeBron up to the three more. And so you're still filling those wing minutes with higher quality players. And so like you're not, you still need the skill set of a three and D wing. You still need to add that onto this team. You probably need a few of them really. But you are also handling your wing position here 
just by sliding your guys up a spot and playing Thomas Bryant more in the middle. I'm not against it. I will say, though, AD has been so good at the center position. I don't want to take too many of those minutes away from him. But in spots, sure, Thomas Bryant, AD together. I wish we got to see more of it before AD got hurt. I was campaigning to see more of that, that setup to see what that really looks like. Because AD and Damian Jones, AD and Thomas Bryant, you can really say AD is the four. When it's AD and Wenyon, like AD is the five in, in that in that lineup, really, when you look at who he's guarding and everything. So, yeah, I would like to see more of Davis and Thomas Bryant together when he gets back. To Tripp, said, Trevor, if you honestly had a choice between Cam and Bogey, so Cam Reddish and Bogdanovich, or DeRozan and Vucevic, which do you choose? Also, in in either package, uh, if neither package, who do you wish they'd pursue? So between those two packages, Cam Reddish and Boyan Bogdanovich, let's assume that it's the same price. Let's assume both packages cost the same, which I don't know if that's the case. If both, if the price is the same, I'm taking DeRozan and Vucevic. Um, Bogdanovich and Reddish both being wings is a better fit, but the talent level is just, it's high with DeRozan and Vucevic. Uh, again, I'm taking talent over fit. I'm trying to increase the ceiling here as much as I can. Cam Reddish and, and Bogdanovich are more in terms of being wings, in terms of being shooters and all of that. They're more of what the Lakers need right now, but are we 100% sure Cam Reddish is a rotation player for the Lakers? Cause he's not for the Knicks right now. Um, and then Bogdanovich, he's great. But if Cam Reddish turns out he's not a rotation player for the Lakers either, is Bogdanovich better than what DeRozan or Vucevic is going to give you? Probably not. With LeBron's age right now, I want the sure thing. I know DeRozan and Vucevic can come on and they can produce, even if the fit isn't necessarily perfect, they can go on and, and, and produce for me right now. So I would go that side. Uh, if LeBron's age wasn't a factor, though, I'd be tempted to go the other way, especially if the cost is a little bit less, which I imagine is prob would probably be the case. The cost of uh, Reddish and Bogdanovich should be a bit less than DeRozan and, and Vucevic. Um, from there, particularly when you look, I mean, Vucevic will need to be signed for next season. Reddish needs to be signed for next season. DeRozan's going to take up money on the books next year. Bogdanovich is going to take on money for the books next year. All right. Uh, if, if it's neither package, who would I pursue? Well, I said I would have done the Miles Turner trade and Buddy Heald trade heading into the season. I would have done that. Again, I don't think that's still available. The Zach Levine thing is kind of interesting, but I'm worried about his knees, uh, that long-term contract. I, I don't know how much I like that. The Hornets trades, those are interesting as well. I'll tell you what I'm really interested in, in though. If I am dead set on, okay, I don't want to trade both of these picks. Is there a point? The Spurs have been saying they want a first for Josh Richardson. They've been saying they want multiple firsts for Yaka Pearl. I don't see how they get it. But is there a point where you can get Josh Richardson and Yaka Pertl, or maybe Doug McDermott and Yaka Pertl for a first and some seconds or something? Is there a point where you can get that? That would be interesting to me because I, I'm a big believer in Pertl. I think he's very, very good. And if you can add a wing like Richardson, like McDermott, I think that would ultimately help the team as well. If the cost isn't too first, if it's both your first, you're probably going to get a bit more bang for your buck elsewhere. Um, that's probably the deal that I would be looking at pursuing. If I look to the Hornets, Gordon Hayward is still interesting to a degree if I'm willing to take on that money for the future. But it's tough. It's tough because each deal has its own drawbacks. I don't think there's a clear cut. 
yes, take that and run with both of these first-round picks. DeRozan and Vucevic are the biggest names, but may not be the best fits overall. So again, if it's between the two trades that they mentioned at the beginning, DeRozan and Vucevic is interesting, but the fit concerns are real there. And if I have the choice of any of the moves out there in the league, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'm probably seeing what I can buy low on more than anything else because otherwise you're giving up a lot. If I'm getting, most of these are going to cost both of your picks. I want more certainty if I'm going to give up both those picks. I'm checking with Indiana too and just saying, hey, any chance you still want to do this? Um, I'd imagine the answer is probably no, but but that's what I would check on. If that was if that was an option, I would take that above the other options. I would take Turner and uh, and Heald. Uh, please play Troy Brown Jr. more. Is uh, Damian Jones not even not enough even for Orlando? I mean, look, the Lakers were undersized in this game, and Damian Jones still can't get off the bench. Like that's pretty telling, right? Like if you're not going to use him in this game, when are you going to use him? That's and it's unfortunate. You know, the thinking was in the offseason was, hey, Damian Jones, he can at least be kind of a springy, younger, athletic big, can at least finish lobs, and it just it just has not had a good season. It's been unfortunate. It's been frustrating. And, um, yeah, I don't know when he's going to really get on the floor here. Uh, as far as Troy Brown, agree, definitely. Definitely, they need – it's not just that Troy Brown is, is some great player it's that Troy Brown's skill set fits what the Lakers so badly need in terms of being a wing. You just you need to get that confidence back up, whatever it is. You need to get him going, get the rhythm that we saw when he first came in with the Lakers. That's what you need from him again. Maybe it means moving him back into the starting lineup. I don't like the Schroeder and Patrick Beverly pairing personally. I thought Lonnie Walker was a bit more unlocked when he was playing with Troy Brown and he was playing with only one guard. I think it makes sense to remove either Pat or Schroeder, whichever one you want to pick, and put Lonnie back to the two, which is his natural position. Put Troy Brown at the three, which is his natural position. And off you go. That's what I'm doing because I want to see if I can get, I think it matters if you can get that version of Troy Brown again. If you can, I think it's going to be a big help for the Lakers, especially if the one of the side effects is you get the better, higher scoring version of Lonnie Walker as well. I think that does a lot for the Lakers. Gian Mercado said, I'd rather have dead money for next year. Need players who can contribute now. This season can still be saved. Oh, it, it definitely can still be saved. But the question is, what's the deal that you're going to do? Who are you going to get? Who are you going to go get that are going to save this season? Uh, I think you need another rim protector and you need a wing. Can you find those those players out there? And can you find them at the right price? That's going to be the, the question mark here for the Lakers. Bogdanovich still makes sense, but again... What's the price going to be? And do the Pistons wait until February 9th? That's the other thing. What teams are willing to do a deal now or in the next week or two weeks? Because the Lakers need to get something done now-ish, as soon as possible, so they can start moving up the standings. Waiting until February 9th, might, the trade deadline, that might not be an option unless this team starts winning some games. All right, let's see. Let's get into this one. I, I enjoy this award every time. Star in your role. The star in your role award goes to the best of the role players. Star in your role tonight. I think it's got to be Thomas Bryant, 21 and 10. Big night against a big magic lineup. That team starts 
everybody in their starting lineup was above 6'4". In fact, it was a 6'4", Mar Markel Fultz, and then everybody else, I believe, was 6'10 and up. And Thomas Bryant pulls down 10 big rebounds. The Lakers more than held their own on the boards, actually out-rebounded the Magic on both the offensive glass and the defensive glass, or in the rebounds overall. And they get the win. And again, 21 points on 8 of 10 shooting. Solid performance out of Thomas Bryant. You know what? And again, Thomas Bryant's not a rim protector. That's the problem. But he's not expected to be. That's not what you... So when I am critical and I say the Lakers need another rim protector, that's not meant as a shot at, at Thomas Bryant. I think he's doing just fine for what he is. Just they need that other skill set too. You need that other skill set to complement him. You need that rim protection because you see teams go right at him. But again, he provides enough in terms of energy, in terms of rebounding, occasionally knocking in a three. He's been solid. He's been solid for the Lakers this season. And so I think he's very deserving of the uh, the star in your role award. Mark says the Lakers should have picked up Whiteside instead of Damian Jones. I mean, yeah, just about anybody really seems like they would have at least you know, maybe earned some minutes like Dwight Howard over what Damian Jones is, is bringing this season. Again, we look at the shortcomings of the Lakers and we look at how undersized the Lakers are. Part of that's on Damian Jones. Part of it's on him for not being part of the rotation because that was the expectation coming in is that both Bryant and Jones would be part of the rotation. Hasn't worked out that way. Uh, Trevor, putting you on the hot seat. All right, let's go. If you're Palenka's situation as the GM right now, knowing your situation with the team as constructed and injuries, what would you do? Gun pointed at your head. Well, if you're pointing a gun at my head, first, I'm probably peeing my pants first and foremost, right? Um, let's put the guns away. You think, <laughs> but what am I doing? I kind of explained it at the beginning of the show, so I won't rehash too much, but short version is I'm trying to put out there that I kind of like the idea of having cap space. I kind of like the idea of having three first round picks to play with on the trade market over the summer. And I'm not a hundred percent certain that this team's got it. So I'm okay with waiting. That's what I'm putting out there. Not saying that's what I want to do, but that's what I'm putting out there to try to reclaim a little bit of leverage in trade talks because I know the vultures are circling and everybody's going to try to make me take a bad deal. From there, I'm trying to negotiate the best deal I can find that gives me a wing, a big, maybe two wings. I'm prioritizing the wing over everything else. And I'm trying to find guys who can be there long term. If I have to give up both future picks, I'll do it if I can find the right move that I think is going to put me over the top and add players that are there long-term. And that's the bargain I'm trying to drive. I'm telling teams, look, if you want our picks, which could be extremely valuable, LeBron won't be a Laker in 2029. Just about guarantee that. Who knows? Maybe he does go the Tom Brady route. But but Le LeBron most likely isn't going to be a Laker in 2029. They could be in a full rebuild. You want that pick unprotected? You need to give me something good. You need to give me something really, really good that makes me feel like I have a shot this year. Because otherwise, what's the point? If I feel like you're if you're giving me Terrence Ross, who's not a bad player at all, but if you're giving me Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba, which again, not a bad player at all, but you want both picks unprotected, what am I doing? That doesn't, that's not enough for me to get where I want to go. You want these picks, you don't want me to wait until the summer. I need something real. That's what I need. And I just said Terrence Ross and Mo Bama as an example because they were on mine. That's what I'm looking for. That's, that's the approach I'm taking if I'm Rob Palenka. I need 
something real here, something that gives me a puncher's chance so that when I combine these guys with LeBron and with hopefully a healthy AD, we can get into the playoffs and we have a shot. That's what I'm looking for. That's, that's the approach I'm taking. And unfortunately, if you're going to play that card, you also have to be willing, if nothing comes along before February 9th, to head into the offseason as is. And then you're dealing with an upset LeBron. You're dealing with an upset Anthony Davis. You're dealing with an upset Clutch Sports because you didn't move the picks like you said you would. And that's where you take responsibility and say, yeah, I put it out there publicly. I would move the picks and that put pressure on us. And we've been in a bad spot because of poor decisions we've made and on and on and on. It might lead to pain, that strategy. But the hope is that at some point the right deal comes along and you can pull the trigger and off you go. That's what I'm doing. Again, knowing that it could backfire and you could wind up with nothing, which wouldn't make fans happy or players happy. All right, let's see what else we've got. Mario said, if the Lakers don't trade LeBron and the Pelicans elect to use the 25 pick, would the Lakers draft Bronny in 2024 for LeBron for his last year? Uh, they could. They could, in theory. Yeah, if another team doesn't, they certainly could. But again, if I'm the Lakers, I have to be really certain that Bronny is going to be a talent long-term if I'm going to if I'm gonna draft him. He's got to be somebody where I think, you know what? Whether or not, who his dad is is irrelevant. Can the kid play? If the answer is yes, then sure. You know what? Like if you have him as, I'm just throwing out a number. I have no idea where he's actually ranked. But if you have him ranked 20th on your board, right, and you've got the 16th pick, and two of guy two guys you have ahead of him are right there, but LeBron's saying, "Hey, I'd really like to finish my career in LA." Draft Bronny. Okay, sure. If you've got the number one pick and you've got Bronny ranked 20th, you're taking the guy that you've got at, at number one. I'm saying it, it makes a little bit of a difference, but you got to do what's best for your team as well. I wouldn't just lock it in that. Yes. The Lakers are, are drafting him. Uh, that's the way I would approach it anyway, if I'm the organization, but if the opportunity is there and you're going to get LeBron's final season, if you, if you draft him and all that, like that, you have to take that into account. And, and so it, it certainly could happen, but again, the Pelicans have to make that decision. Do we want the 2024 pick? Do we want the 2025 pick? Uh, none, Jones, and a first for Pirtle. Keep Bev and Russ. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would do that in a second. I don't know that the Spurs would, but I would 100% do that if that was on the table for the Lakers. I would have to imagine the Spurs would want more, but again, if that's that's there, sign me up. Aaron MC, any free agents that we can get? Mello, Howard, sure. You have an open roster spot. Is is Carmelo willing to come play for you? Is Dwight Howard? If the answer is yes and you want them, that's it. That's all you got to do. You don't have to make any other moves. You have a roster spot open. You can add somebody. Go ahead. Let's see what else we've got going on here. Kobe Washington. Oh, it's a three-team trade. Three teams are where trades go to die in the NBA. Hornets get Russ, Pat, Fournier, Lonnie, and a Lakers second. Okay. So again, Russ, Pat, Fournier, Lonnie Walker, and a second-round pick. The Knicks get Nunn and Damian Jones. Okay. So the Knicks are shedding Fournier. 
The Lakers get Ubre, Reddish, Hayward, Rogier, and PJ Washington. So the Lakers are getting all that, and they're not giving up a first. You're only giving up a second. You're getting Kelly Oubre, Cam Reddish, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington. You'd have to be looking at Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward as massive negatives moving forward. Both have long-term salaries. Get, you're, you're not getting all that. You're just not, especially for just a second-round pick. There's no way. The Hornets would want more. I don't think they're going to count Russ as a positive value. Same thing with Pat Fournier taking on his next year. People don't want to do that. You're going to have Lonnie, I guess, but you have to pay him after this year. You don't have bird rights on him. Yeah, I can't see the Hornets doing that. The Knicks side, um, giving up Reddish and Fournier for Nunn and Damian Jones. Something else has got to be coming out of the Knicks there or going to the Knicks in order to make that work. That's not enough salary going in to New York. Any event, uh, Hornets wouldn't do that. Uh, Super Dope Hip Hop said, Braun, 38-6, two steals and a block, plus 59 since November, minus 64 when he's off the floor. And some blame him. AD and Braun are both top 5 to 12 players. LA's 3 through 7 is the issue. LeBron heat equals disease. Yeah, I mean, look, people are just looking for somebody to blame. The LeBron stuff has kind of been under the surface since he first came to LA. I think some of it is a remnant of LeBron versus Kobe being a thing, but nonetheless, yeah, look, LeBron's been fantastic. Um, LeBron's also, he's beaten a lot of teams over 20 years. So naturally he's got a lot of fans, but that also means he's got a lot of haters too, because he's done damage to other teams over the years. So that's the thing. Um, There are people who don't like LeBron. There are people who, who like him. And he can be kind of polarizing in that way. Uh, I agree, though, that the, it's the Lakers three through seven. That's the problem. It's just, it's not even necessarily those players. Like, if you want to look at the three players, if you want to say, okay, well, who's their three through seven? Is it right now AD is out? So is it is it Austin Reeves? Is it Lonnie Walker? Is it, you know, who's their three through seven? It's not necessarily the fault of those players, right? Like, they're performing probably above their pay grade a bit. The problem is the Lakers roster construction where you don't have, I mean, let's face it. You don't have a Kyle Kuzma. You don't have a Contavious Caldwell Pope. You don't like you're missing your, your mid tier players that can just be your consistent night in night out producers, right? That are going to be in the right spot at the right time and make the shot when they're called upon. And your consistent role players aren't there in this roster because your role players are better minimum guys. And again, Austin Reeves has certainly outperformed his contract, and you've got a few players who who have done that, outperformed their contracts. But you're right. Look, if if the Lakers, you add in a few consistent role players to this team, and suddenly, instead of needing to be the third player on this roster, Reeves gets to be the sixth player, which I don't think even hurts him because he's so good playing off of everybody else, your, your overall quality of your team goes way up. So I don't think you're wrong there that it's, it's not LeBron and AD. Both LeBron and AD are top 10 guys. The availability could be an issue with those players. Sure, you can take issue with that. But when they're on the floor, they're still fantastic. Problem is the makeup of the roster. And you could say, well, LeBron and AD had a hand in that. And I understand, but it's ultimately on the front office to make those decisions and build out the roster. 
All right, we'll do a few more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And let's see what we've got. Big Drip said, what's the chance Braun plays in Miami? It's a good question. Um, I'm not going to see if, if LeBron addressed it after the game or anything like that. I haven't seen anything just yet. I am behind in the chat, so it's possible he said something and, and I missed it. Uh, okay, the Lakers Nation account has LeBron says he'll know when he gets up tomorrow if he can play the second of a back-to-back in Miami. So nothing official right now. LeBron says he won't even know until he gets up tomorrow. We'll see how he feels. Mark says none, Bev, and a second for Bogdanovich. I think the Lakers would do this right now. If if that was on the table, it would already be done. Um, it's not. It's not. The the piston, the Lakers even offer, offered a protected first. The Pistons said, no, we want unprotected. That's where that's at. Miguel, hey, Trev, here's a trade proposal for you. Okay. Lakers, Tobias Harris. I like Tobias Harris. I don't like his contract so much, but I like Tobias Harris. Cam Reddish, Terry Rozier. Okay. Hornets get Russ, Damian Jones. Knicks get none, some seconds. And 76ers get Hayward, Plumley and a first. So four-team trade is going to be really tough to pull off. But the Lakers are getting Tobias Harris, who, who does have some money on the books for next year. Cam Reddish, who you have to pay. And Terry Rozier, who's a long-term salary. You're giving up Russ, Damian Jones, and none and a first-round pick. That's some firepower coming in. You're taking on a lot of long-term salary in, in Rogier and Harris, but that is some firepower coming in. That's not not terrible. Not terrible coming in for the Lakers. Uh, you're not losing anything with Damian Jones and none. You do lose Russ's playmaking, but Terry Rogier perhaps can replace that a little bit. It's a better three-point shooter. And then you get an extra wing in, in Tobias Harris, plus you get Cam Reddish. So yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. Um, from the Hornets' perspective, you're giving up Hayward and Plumley, and you're getting Russ and Damian Jones. You're also giving up Terry Rozier. So really, you're just clearing cap space. I think the Hornets would probably want a little bit more than that, than just clearing cap space with these guys. So that's maybe where this falls apart. The Knicks give some second-round picks and Kendrick Nunn. I, I, we know the Knicks want a first for Cam Reddish, but maybe they can't get it, and that's something they do at the deadline. But uh, the 76ers giving up. Harris and getting Hayward, Plumley, they get a first. What do they get the first for? Because Harris is better than Hayward and Plumley, I guess. I mean, maybe it, it falls apart there too. It's it, I like it for the Lakers, but I don't know. I don't know if the other other pieces would do that. Uh, Aaron MC, the Hornets offer the best package. They can if they're willing to give up 
a lot if they're willing to give up Hayward, if they're willing, you know, and Hayward again has money on the books for next year. But if you can get, particularly if you can get PJ Washington in the mix, that's where I think it really becomes interesting for the Lakers. But if the Hornets say, no, we want to keep him, then you're kind of tough. T2 runner said, sorry, Trev, I wasn't trying to be little with the gun on your head. Oh, no, no, I didn't take it as little. I was kidding. I wasn't, I wasn't taking it, it literally. <laughs> no, no problem. I appreciate, I appreciate your response as, as always. No, I was not. I was not taking that literally at all. I, I was kidding. If I came across like I was offended by that in any way, I, I was not. Uh, Skytier said, do we have a better chance of getting Kuz or Levine? I would say Kuzma. I think he's more gettable, um, especially with the rumors that came out, uh, I believe it was today or yesterday, that the, the Wizards are likely to trade him now. Uh, if they have a sense that either they don't want to pay Kyle Kuzma what he's going to get this summer, or that they aren't going to be able to keep him, that he's going to leave this summer, then in either scenario, it makes all the sense in the world for them to trade him by the trade deadline. The Bulls can still, still sell themselves on, well, Zach's our guy. He's young enough. We're going to hang on to him, even though he's got this long-term deal. So I think the chance is better of getting Kyle Kuzma because it feels like there's more certainty that he will be, be available than there is with Zach Levine. So I think Kuzma is an interesting target. I think his skill set fits. If Levine were to hit the market, though, being a clutch sports guy probably helps the Lakers case. Uh, we know he'd probably like to get to LA. He's an LA guy. So yeah, if, if Levine hits the market, maybe that changes, but right now it feels like Kuzma is the more likely player to actually be available. Uh, what contracts would they even have to use this summer? That's why I feel you should trade Westbrook's contract as a way to add players. So contracts you would have to use this summer. You wouldn't have much. Um, you'd have Max Christie, uh, you would have him on the books. Could be Damian Jones. That's really about it, right? You've got these expiring contracts. Now you have 30 million in cap space that you can use to absorb a contract though. You could bring in a player with all of that cap space. So you're not going to have much on, on your books this summer in terms of contracts. Maybe that changes at the trade deadline. You add on a long-term deal. But yeah, in terms of balancing out a deal, you don't have a lot. But that's not necessarily a negative thing either. It can be a positive if you have a team that wants to try to shed some salary, then you can you can do that. So, for example, if there's a player that costs $28 million and you really want him and you're willing to give up a first for him, an opposing team says, well, cool, we're clearing $28 million just completely off of our books and we're getting a first. And the Lakers get this player. They don't even have to take anybody back. That's the nice part if you have cap space. So it's not the worst thing in the world. When you have cap room, you don't have to worry quite as much about salary matching or anything like that. So that's the good side. Then you'd rather have that to throw into a trade. Oh, Mark said Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Hawks, not Boyan from the Pistons. Got it. Okay. I'd have to go back and look at that trade again. That's, um, that's interesting, though, if he's available. I, I like him a lot. I like Bogdanovich from the Pistons a bit better, but... He'd be an interesting fit as well. I've liked his game for, for a long time. He'd be an interesting player to go after. Brian Mack, O'Shea Brissett, and Isaiah Hartenstein are hidden gems. Sure. Yeah, if you can get guys like that, great. Problem is, teams aren't going to be you know, super excited about giving those kinds of guys up right now. So that's something to consider. But again, the trade market's going to start picking up. Here's what's going to happen is uh, execs are going to start coming back from the holidays, right? We've got New Year's coming up this weekend execs are going to start coming back early in January. Trade talks are going to start to pick up. 
we'll probably see a few deals go down like mid-January. Maybe the Lakers can get involved there. Otherwise, you're going to see more activity around February 9th, the trade deadline. But remember, there's a lot of teams in the West that see how wide open things are, and they're going to try to make a push here. So it's not going to be just the Lakers trying to make a trade, but I think there's going to be opportunities. The question is, can this team rattle off some wins and give themselves new life? Can AD come back and be healthy and, again, give them that new life and then hit the trade front, and then there you off you go. Start making that push back to 500. That's what you need to do. All right, let's finish with this, our favorite award of the night. Master Lock of the Night. The Master Lock of the Night. What are we putting in the Master Lock tonight? Oh, man, there's there's not a ton. You've got uh, Paulo Bancaro kind of throwing an arm out of Patrick Beverly who made, made a meal out of that. Um, I don't know that there's anything that super jumps out at this one uh, on this one as far as master lock worthy right now. But I guess I'll go with, with this. For the Lakers, I'd like to see them more reliant upon their bigs. I'd like to see them use Wenyan Gabriel more. I'd like to see them use, and Thomas Bryant was fine tonight, but when AD comes back, I want to see those bigs still in the rotation. So I think I'm going to master lock an over-reliance on guards. I'd like to see those guard minutes come down. When I'm looking at Dennis Schroeder, Darvin Ham seems to be very committed to Schroeder. I'm not convinced Schroeder should be getting the lion's share of the minutes right now. Um, Pat Bev can have hot and cold nights as well. So I think I'd like to see some more minutes shifted to say Wenyan, and especially when AD comes back, minutes continue to go to Thomas Bryant for him to be out there on the floor. Because I think they're not only is it roster balance, but I think they're just performing at a level that is better than what a few of the guards are giving you. Um, at least they're not giving you something every single night. So I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Let's master lock the underutilization of the bigs and the over-reliance on guards. And in particular, can we master lock out of existence the five-guard lineup? Can we please? Like we we were going crazy with the four guard lineup, the five guard lineup, which fortunately we didn't see today. Ooh, that was that was definitely rough. That was definitely rough. Um, I do have a few more coming in here. We absolutely need to do something now. No risk, no reward. It is what it is. Makes no sense to not make the team better with LeBron and AD playing like this. Again, to a to a point, right? Because here's the thing: like if the Lakers. I guarantee you the Lakers have some deals on the table right now where if they did those, fans would be so upset. Like they've got some moves on the table, I'm sure they could do right now where they'd be getting fleeced. So that's the the thing, right? You can say, well, they need to do something, need to do something right now. Yeah, but it's got to be the right move. It's got to be a fair deal. That's the thing that they're waiting for. It's the right deal. They want to get fleeced. That's different. Kelvin G, master lock the rest of the Lakers Nation staff for not pulling up on a win. Good job, as always, Trev. Well, thank you, Kelvin. I, I certainly appreciate that. And I can't put too much blame. The blame, honestly, it's on me for the, the rest of the Lakers Nation staff. Here's what happened. I went so I went on a little vacation for, for Christmas time. You guys saw I was recording from uh, my sister's house. I went to go meet my new niece and, and all of that kind of stuff. I was in Kansas City. And, and I got so busy with all of that. I completely forgot. In my head, I was thinking Sean was on today, um, and I completely forgot that Sean told me like a month ago that he wasn't going to be on for today's show. 
that that fell on me to ask to have somebody else come in and jump in for him. And I never did it because I was so busy with Christmas stuff. I didn't even think about um, this game. So I, I can't put blame on them for for this one being a solo show. Uh, that's that's on me. I, I totally forgot. Sean told me like a month ago he wasn't going to be around for this one. So so don't be too upset with them. Take the master lock off of them. Master lock me if if need be. But I do appreciate the kind words. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Lakers, get a win. We don't get to say that often enough, so I want to make sure we say it again. Lakers, get a win over the Magic. Thank you guys for joining me. If you're listening to the podcast version, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.